0: As well, Amen? Let's pray for revival. Let's pray for an awakening. Let's, let's pray for a move of God that we have never, ever seen. I'm, I'm believing for it. I want to talk to you today, one more message at least, about worship. Man, we've talked a lot uh, over the past couple of weeks uh, about this idea of worship. And Can I just remind you, it was last fall, um, the Holy Spirit just moved on my heart that we needed to start the year off just talking about the importance of worship in our lives. That the number one priority of your life and my life is to bring glory and honor to God. It's to bring worship to him, bring praise to him. That's like, if you get nothing else done in your life, get that done. (laughs) Do everything you do as unto the Lord, worshiping him, blessing him, saying, God, I, I do this work as worship to you. I, I have a, my leave my family as worship to you. My marriage is meant to be worship to you. The way I parent, the way I, I lead in the community, all of this, it's not so that people can see me. It's so that people can see Jesus and he can be glorified and he can be magnified. I want people to worship Jesus. We were created to worship. Oh, you're a worshiper. Everybody worships something. The question is, are you worshiping Jesus? Are you worshiping money are you worshiping immorality are you are you giving yourself to things that are not and and glorifying things that are not there's even good things that you can worship you can get things out of balance with relationships with family even even I, all of us should be serving in the local church but if just your idea of the most important thing is that I'm doing all these things for God that you miss the heart of it is your are you really doing them for God, as worship unto God? I shared with you just about, <coughs> excuse me, my sermon prep time. I think it was last week. And how I had to change the way that I thought about what really was one of the uh, heaviest things for me. Was prepping and preparing for messages. And I used to, I love getting up and sharing it, but it was so was It was so laborious. My prep time, preparing, and, and something in my heart changed. I'm not bragging on myself. I'm saying I had to make a decision that I'm going to do my prep time not because I have to and it's part of my job. I'm going to do it as worship to the Lord. And how that has changed the way that I prepare for messages and how the Lord is blessed. All of us, we, everything we do is meant to be done as worship unto the Lord. Well, one thing that's a big part of your life and my life, obviously you're here this morning... On a snowy day, we want to welcome all of you, as well as those of you watching at home, thank you for tuning in, and uh, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, or who knows where else you might be watching this, I'm so glad you're with us, but I want to talk to you, continue this idea of worship, <coughs> excuse me, why, why are we here today? What, what, what is, why do we come on Sunday mornings and gather together for worship? Is there a reason for this, or is this just tradition? tradition i mean, is 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 it is this just something we just do and so we just well we we know this is the bible um the, the writer of hebrews was even inspired to write this and and this was uh AD 67 to 69 somewhere in that area so you you just think jesus was born he died somewhere around 31 32 AD um somewhere 30 to 31 32 somewhere in that area AD so you're talking over 35 years later the Holy Spirit inspired the writer of Hebrews to say this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let's not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of doing, but let's encourage one another. Oh! So there were was, was some who weren't, it was like, we, we're not getting together. Saying we need to get together. We need to come together. This, this gathering of a weekly gathering of all of us, this isn't just by chance. It's not because all of us had nothing better to do this morning. I mean, I know some of you—you're still grieving from last night's Packers loss. I'm sorry, they—they—they they, they had every chance to win that game. I didn't want them to. I was glad they didn't. But the Packers had every chance. Let's not go there. But you—why did you come here this morning? Well, this is a biblical narrative. That this is a biblical command for us that. We need to come together on a, on a regular basis. Well, so let me just answer a couple questions because I've been talking about, uh, about the importance of worship and we've been talking about King Hezekiah and how when King Hezekiah opened the temple gates once again, unlike his uh, father Ahaz who shut the temple gate, but he opened the gates and how that caused a revival to happen in God's people. Come on, we want that to happen and so when we put worship in its rightful place, the worship of God, let's just sit back, let's watch and see what happens. We've, we've talked about, even last week, the, the idea of, of worshiping in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? We talked about that. And then today, I want to talk about specifically in the corporate setting. When we come together, when they came together in the New Testament, when we come together, what, what are we supposed to do? Is there like a, 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 some kind of an order? You know, the Bible isn't like, doesn't say, and when you have your weekly gathering, thus, thus, and thus is all the things you should do. But there are some hints, there are some things you can pull out, and you can see, okay, this is what they did. Let's start with this question. When would they come together? When would they come together? Well, we see in Acts chapter uh, um, uh, 2, verse 46, um, that they were coming together on a daily basis. You bunch of sinners, you're not coming together on a daily basis. I can't believe all of you guys not coming together. Well, let's just stop, stop, stop. Um, Was this the pattern? Was this something that continued on? We we see that uh, if if you think about historically, you think about Jesus died, and then he rose again, and he's on the earth for 40 days, and then he goes up to be with the Father in heaven, and then there's another 10 days that they prayed. And they interceded for the the day of Pentecost, for the Holy Spirit to come. And that happens, that's 10. 40 plus 10, if my math is right, is 50 days. So here we are, about 50 days post-resurrection. And what do we see the church doing? They are so pumped, so excited. Thousands of them are getting saved. People are being added to their number daily. And they're gathering daily. Now, let's jump a little bit later on. Let's jump to, um, so, so that's, say, about 31 A.D., let's just say. Let's jump to 57 A.D. You, you didn't know you are going to get a history lesson today, did you? In Acts chapter 20, look at this on the screen. Acts chapter 20, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. And so we know that they were starting to gather on the first day of the week, which we know to be Sunday, but, but here's the deal. On the first day of the week, they're gathering together. They're breaking bread. They're having communion. Okay. Um, so they went from daily to at some point, you get this sense, even Paul writes uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in First Corinthians, um, and I know I'm just going to throw it out there because I did look it up, 54 AD, somewhere around that, that area, on the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money keep keeping with his income, saving it up, so when I come, no claims. So he's saying on the first day of the week, he's talking about some offerings or whatever, but the point of the matter is they're gathering on the first day of the week. Scott, we got it. What's the importance of all this? Well, you know, Jesus, He rose again on the first day of the week, which was Sunday. We know that He died on a Friday. And, um, and I've explained this before for some of you, you have a hard time figuring this all out. But just know this. So he died on a Friday. Uh, he was in the tomb also on Saturday. And then Sunday morning, he rose again the first day of the week. Um, um, John 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed. So they were going to lay spices on his body the first day of the week. Um, I, I, just, I just wonder... So we know that this first day of the week was meant to be, it was, it was Sunday. It was Sunday for them. You, you study it, church history says it, the biblical history says it. They gathered together typically regularly on Sunday morning. Why Sunday morning? Well, the, the main idea is this. Jesus rose again on Sunday morning, so every Sunday when they met together was Easter Sunday. And I would venture, I, I wouldn't venture, I would uh, conclude that every one of us is that every Sunday morning when we gather together, it should be Easter Sunday. It should be a celebration of the resurrection of Christ, the fact that he's alive, and he's able to do and work in my life. Okay, so we get that. But let me just toss out a couple quick questions on this. The first one is this. What if we looked at Sunday as the first day of the week instead of Monday? I I was challenged by this myself. I thought, boy, Scott, that's a good question. I mean, if you really thought through, have you ever looked at our calendars and noticed? I, mean, I I don't think it, it's just tradition. I think there was a time when it was said that Sunday was thought of. Okay, this is the first day of the week and then uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday. What, what if we said, okay, Saturday night's over. <sighs> Man, what a great week that was. What's tomorrow? Well, kids, tomorrow's the first day of the week. Well, wife, husband, <laughs> well, friend, whoever. What, tomorrow's the first day of the week. What are we gonna do on the very first day of the week? You know what we're gonna start our first day of the week? doing the most important thing we could do and that's worshiping God with our church. You know what we're going to do? We're going to come Sunday morning and we're going to worship God. And we're going to come you, you see the difference here? What's the first day of the week? It's Monday. Oh, I hate Mondays. Mondays are the first day of the week. I hate Monday. Well, what if Mondays was actually the second day of the week? And we looked at I'm I'm not saying that that I'm going to build a whole theology on this and if you don't do this you're sinning. I'm not saying that. But I do think there might be something to this. If we all started looking at the first day of the week as Sunday, and on that day I'm going to set that day aside, and for most of us it's going to be our Sabbath, set a day a day apart for the Lord. Which brings us to the second point, because you like Scott, my friend's church has Saturday night service. Are they ungodly? No. In fact, um, so here it is: Is it wrong to worship on another day of the week other than Sunday? Um, no, I don't. I don't. I don't believe it's wrong. I think there's something to the pattern that we see in Scripture, and and so. You know, as much as possible, we should follow that pattern. But I don't think it's wrong to have a Saturday night or Wednesday night or Thursday night or I know churches that meet different nights. I don't think that's wrong. Um, but I think there is a reason why. I mean, I, I think the fact that Jesus rose on a Sunday, it just adds more surgery. Uh, I, I think especially if we make Sunday the first day of the week, I think it makes more sense. I think, let me just hit this and I gotta move on. But the important thing is that you're having a Sabbath. Let me just say this. Listen, every person in this room needs one day of rest. Don't fool yourself and think you can get away with it. Don't fool yourself and think that, oh, I don't need a day of rest. Me, man. Me, motivated. Me, no need rest. No, you do. Every single one of us needs a day that we set aside and we don't create, we don't do. What is it that you create? What is it that you do? I need a day every week where I'm not doing sermon prep, where I'm not taking phone calls, where I'm not even checking emails, mostly, um, sometimes that's a tough one there because it's just too, too tempting, you know? Um, or I, I'm not taking text. I need a day where I set aside and I just, you know, this is a day of rest for me. What I typically do to create the whole pastor gig, I just, it's not that I'm not the pastor anymore. Not if, there's, if there's an emergency call, I do it. Understand that, okay. But on a regular basis, I need a day of the week where I just can just step away and just, just me and the Lord and uh, in my family and my kids and just focus on them and focus on other things and just give that day to the Lord. Most of you, that, the perfect day to do that is Sunday. And I encourage you, make Sunday your Sabbath. And um, make Sunday your Sabbath. If, if Sunday's not your Sabbath, then find another day that's your day of rest. If your job doesn't allow you, then find another day that's your day of rest. You need that. Um, and let me just say Colossians 2.16 says this. Check this out. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink with regard to a religious festival, new moon celebration or stuff. I know all of you are into the new moon thing. I'm more focusing on the Sabbath day. Don't let them judge you. My Sabbath is Friday. Friday's my day where I just check out. Friday's my Sunday. It's really hard to be my Sabbath because it's one of my hardest work days. So it makes sense. I've got to have another day. Our staff all take off Friday, pastoral staff on Fridays, because that's our Sabbath. Okay, you need that. That's the important thing. I've talked way too much about that, but it, I kind of I love that idea. So let's keep going. When would they get together? They get together on Sundays. Um, and I'm not going to get into debate of, of, of beyond that. But Okay, what would they do? I know you're just sitting here like, what would they do in the New Testament? Well, let let me just remind you, everything we do when we gather together is worship. From the moment you drive on the parking lot and you wave at the, at the yellow-vested fella or whoever's out there and you just say, hey, I mean, you're, you're really, here. hey. Or you get out of the car and say, good morning to the person who's walking. Hey, good morning, that's fellowship. That's worshiping. God's pleased with that. As you're standing in the foyer and you're talking over coffee, you're talking, trying to get the kids checked in and, and you know, whatever it may be, that's where everything. That from the moment you step in here, the opening prayer, that's worship. Worship isn't just the song, it's all Worship. And so, what did they do? Well, we can see in Acts chapter two, verse forty-two. It's our kind of our our vision. All in is built around this: is they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. They taught the word to the fellowship. We talked about that. uh, To the breaking of bread, so communion, the the um, the elements uh, um, of communion and the ordinances of the church, a water baptism as well, those type of things, and the prayer. So when they got together, there was prayer. There was all these different elements. In Acts chapter twenty, verse seven, you might remember. Um Paul, was, he, was, he was preaching a long one, let me tell you. It went so long that some dude fell asleep in the window and fell out. Ah, no problem. Paul brought him back to life, so it was all good. But Paul was, spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. But what was he doing? He was talking to them. He was preaching. He was teaching them. That's part of what they did. That's part of what we do. But then think about Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5 Don't get drunk on wine Which leads to debauchery Instead be filled with the spirit Good word Speak to another, one another With psalms, hymns And spiritual songs Ah Sing and make music In your heart to the Lord Always give thanks to the God The Father for everything In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ Colossians 3.16 Look at this Let the word of Christ Dwell in you richly As you teach and admonish One another with all wisdom And as you sing Oh look at this Once again Psalms, hymns And spiritual songs With gratitude in your hearts To God you know, it looks like when they gathered together, in fact, we see this even in experience when Jesus, the Lord's Supper, do you ever catch that? When they finished up the Lord's Supper, before they went to, to pray, what did they do? They sang a hymn together. So when they came together, it seems like singing. Now, it doesn't say that, that um, and Simon Peter had a beautiful voice, <laughs> And then sometimes some of the women would join in and they would have quite a chorus going in four-part harmony. It doesn't, it doesn't say whether they had good voices or not. It just says they sang hymns. They sang songs. And so let's just talk. Um, what what uh, they, they, they sang um, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. What are psalms? Pretty easy, book of psalms. <laughs> Did you grow up in church? If you grew up in church, you might know what, I, what this means when I say Hymnal. Hymnal. All of, all of our churches used to have a hymnal in the back of the the pew, and you pull it out, turn to page four hundred and sixty four and sing with me and and uh, we 're only going to sing three verses because God forbid you sing all four and and whatever that might look like some of you're laughing because you know what i 'm saying there 's always that one that you seem to skip you 're like, why are we skipping that one i don 't know um, but it it must be the holy Spirit um, but the the hymnal. For for the New Testament saints and even for the Old Testament saints, once they had the Psalms put together, I mean, th- especially for the New Testament saints, the Psalms were like their hymnal. They they would literally sing the Psalms. That was that was one of the things they would do. Okay, no, no brainer. Hymns, hymns are great. Hymns are 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 uh, um, uh, songs that are written uh, in such a way that to help teach the doctrine as well as to extol the Lord and bless the Lord, and we sing those together and. And um, so, so you've got hymns. Those are good. And then you've got spiritual songs. Spiritual songs. Boy, that sounds kind of like this wide. So when they came together, though, they, they had psalms, they had hymns, and they had spiritual songs. Songs of like many of the choruses that we might sing here. And so let me just toss this in there. You're like, well, bless God. I don't like those spiritual songs, those songs, those, them there choruses. The only way I can worship God is through the hymns. Well, you're missing out. In fact, you're not biblical. Well, I hate those old hymns. Those old hymns are just, they're boring, they're dry, they're dead. There's no life in them. You're wrong. (laughs) Um, There's something wrong with your heart. (laughs) Because it takes all of it. And so I I think uh, our church and any church ought to have psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And that's why often when we start our service, we'll even... Start it off with a reading of a psalm or something. And then we'll go into um, singing of hymns uh, like we did even this morning. and Hymns as well as spiritual songs. Okay, this is a no-brainer. Some of you are like, Scott, we get it. We know this is is what they did. We know this is what we do. Um, But I want to take it another step further now. Um, Because I I don't want to just talk about what they did. I want to talk for you for the rest of our time today um, uh, about... The expressiveness of worship. Um, As we sing, as we come together on a Sunday morning and we take the first, say, half an hour to worship and sing songs of praise, as you walked in here, maybe the first time you came here you got a little bit freaked out. Maybe you're like, because people are raising their hands and they're clapping and, and they're shouting and they're singing out loud. And you're, you just weren't used to that. Maybe you were unchurched and you didn't go to any church growing up. Or maybe you grew up in a church that you never saw. this. kind of like the first time my cousin, my little cousin, came to our church growing up. I remember I remember, I remember. remember being there. I don't remember who was having the conversation. But now, listen, this is going to be a little different than the church you're used to because the only church she had ever been to was Catholic. And if you're Catholic and you walk into like a charismatic, Pentecostal church like ours, I mean, it's, it's a little different. Am I right? I mean, just a little different. And so... Understandably so. Why do we raise our hands? Is this, is this just like a spiritual calisthenic? Why do we spend so long singing songs to the Lord? Is it, listen, singing singing worship songs to the Lord is more than a, a, um, um, a warm-up act for the Word of God. You see, there's powerful things happening. You need to understand that. And I, my concern is that we don't have this revelation right now as a church, and I want you to get it so badly. Do you know that in the book of Job, Job chapter 38, it says God was releasing his creative power um, as, as, as he, it talks about, you can read it later, but Job 38 talks about how God was creating the universe and there were songs going on at that very same time. It just makes me think that as, as, as we're singing songs of praise to God, there's creative things happening that we can't even see. I think about Second Chronicles chapter 20 and Jehoshaphat and the king of Judah. He, he, he's going into battle. And he's like, okay, all the swordsmen over here. Okay, all the archers over here. Okay, shields, you need it to be towards the front. Okay, everyone else, how about the javelin throwers? Okay, let's put you in the back. Don't wanna get any of our guys javelined. Okay, I'm not really into that, but I, I've assumed they'd be in the back. And, and so they got all the, the people and He's going into battle. And then what does the Lord tell him to do? Now get all the choir boys. <laughs> coming. No. No, it's more of a coming. And the choir boys come. You read it. You read it. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And they went into battle with the choir boys singing, his love endures forever, singing praises to God. And what happened? God defeated them all. God, God gave them victory. You see, there's spiritual. I am uh, uh, as as sure as I stand here before you, I'm absolutely sure. A few moments ago, as we were lifting praise to God, there was spiritual activity going on. There was spiritual warfare going on. As we were declaring the praises and the awesomeness of our God, we're not just coming just to sing songs. We're not just coming to hear a concert. Oh, for goodness sakes, no. In Isaiah chapter 54, Jerusalem was struggling and the Lord began to prophesy through Isaiah that change is coming. And he said this, he said, sing, O barren woman. You who never bore a child, burst into song. Shout for joy. Woo. Well, I just come to have a little singing Sunday morning. Just hope that worship team's all prepared and they lead us into the presence of the Lord. I'm just looking forward to some singing. No, it's not just some singing. It's not just, boy, I hope they sing the song I like or a song I don't like. I hope they sing this song or that song or this. No, it's not. It has everything to do with, um, with God and His awesomeness and His greatness. And, and it's, He's so worthy of being worshiped and He's so worthy of being praised. And, and um, uh, you think about Paul and, and Silas, they were in prison. Remember that? In, in Acts chapter 16, I think it is, they were in prison. I mean, their life could have been on the line and probably was. But what did they do? As they were praying and singing hymns is when the breakthrough came. You read it, and you see. You see, what what we need to understand is that as we go to the Lord and worship through song, as we come together corporately, and as we go to the... As you even are on your own, and you're singing praises to God, I'm telling you, there's something more than just singing songs happening. There is supernatural activity that God is doing on your behalf, and we need to see it that way. We need to understand it that way. The Bible not only gives us permission to sing and clap and raise our hands and shout for joy, it actually commands us to do. Now let me say something. I heard a, 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 a pastor say this a couple months ago in a message, and I never forgot it, and I, and I want to say it, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to disturb some of you. And So I want to disturb you a little bit. Reserved worship is a learned cultural behavior, not a biblical behavior. Let me say that again. Reserved worship is a learned cultural behavior, not a biblical behavior. Do you know the Bible, it doesn't suggest, it commands us, do these things. We need to let what's in our heart come out. (laughs) I'm thinking about a couple months ago, when we were talking about the Christmas story and, and, and the wise men are coming and they brought their gold, frankincense and myrrh, but I, I, could, I could just see the Blu-ray right now. I could just see it happening. as They bring the gold, you got the frankincense and the myrrh and they're all just standing here and they take in the moment. It's like, no, we just, we got to bow. We got to worship. You see, what was in their heart was, was it, it came out in a physical response of worship. What was in their heart is like, yeah, we've got these gifts, but even more than that, we've got to physically respond here. I got, out of the overflow of, a, of the heart, our mouths speak. We express our worship to God. It's not based on my background or my denominational culture. It's based on church history and, and the Word of God. Now what Pastor Scott, not what Pastor Scott wants you to do, not what anyone else wants you to do, but what God wants you to do. You know, when we started our church now 22 years ago, holy guacamole, when we started 22 years ago, we wrote it in our vision, it's still there. It's the dream. It's the dream of a church that develops people into disciples, meeting them where they are and growing them. And so our prayer is that if you walk in here and you haven't come to faith yet, is we wanna help you grow to find Jesus and continue. Our prayer is that if you found Jesus and, and you're just a new believer, is that we'll meet you where you're at, and the Holy Spirit will help us to help you grow in your faith and become a disciple. If you walk in here with a uh, 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 Masters of Divinity in Theology and whatever else, all the nice little letters behind your name, and you've got some kind of cemetery, seminary degree, and <laughs> I'm just joking. If you If you got all that stuff, you're so smart. You know Greek and Hebrew forwards and backwards and you can speak Chinese, all that. You know what my prayer is? Holy Spirit, use us to meet that person where they're at and help them grow spiritually. And I'm telling you right now, my encouragement to you, gentlemen, my encouragement to you, ladies, is we wanna meet you where you're at and help you to grow. And this is an area where I really believe you can grow. You can grow in your expressiveness of your worship to the Lord. As the Lord commands us, the word commands us to do these things. Some say, well, I'm just worshiping in my heart. Listen, I want you to hear me. I'm not judging you. I'm not saying you're not worshiping. I'm not saying you're not worshiping, but I'm just telling you, the word of God is pretty straightforward here. I mean, let's just go back. I've talked a lot about this, but let me do it again. In the Old Testament and up into the New Testament before Jesus died and rose again and, the, and changed the way that we worship, they would worship by going to the temple and they would bring a sacrifice of praise with them or they would even bring crops as, as, as worship to the Lord and as tithe and those type of things. Can you imagine if one day Shlomo, Shlomo showed up for temple worship and it was one of the festivals and... And everyone else brought their animals with them that here was, here was Shlomo and his many children and they're coming along and, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry about that. So Shlomo comes along and, and his family's there and, and they're coming for worship. Everyone else has their sacrifice, their little lamb, their little whatever else. And he comes up to the priest, and the priest is ready to take the sacrifice and put it on the brazen altar and offer it as a worship unto the Lord. And Shlomo's standing there with a big smile on his face, and 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 the the, the priest is, is standing there greeting and says, "Shalom, Shlomo. It's good to see you, my friend." Ah, yes, it is. You too, my dear priest. Um, and the priest is like, uh, "Shlomo, how? Uh, I'm just. Are you ready for your sacrifice? Well, actually, uh, I I told the children because they had this." same question as we were walking to temple today as we came into town it, it, i was expl- they were wondering father where's the where's the lamb where's where's the sacrifice and and shlomo got to the front and and the priest was saying and then shlomo was like but here's the deal i i i just really felt like i want to worship the lord in my heart today what would have the priest said <laughs> i tell you the priest wouldn't have, they wouldn't even been in that situation I mean, the, the idea that you would have come to worship with nothing to bring, with nothing to offer, with with no ex, external expression of your worship—the idea, from the Old Testament all the way into the New Testament—that that you would you wouldn't bring some kind of expression—it's just it—it's not even it's not even thinkable. Do you get what I'm saying here? Do you realize God wants you to worship Him with your whole being? And he designed you to do exactly that. Can I encourage you with Psalm chapter 35, verse nine? Look at this, look at this. Then I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be glad because he rescues me. With every bone in my body, I will praise him. Lord, who can compare with you? Who else rescues the helpless from the strong? Who else protects the helpless and poor from those who rob them? With every bone in my body, I will praise you. My soul will bless you. Scott, I'm so glad you're passionate like that, Scott. I'm glad you're like that. I don't feel passionate about God during worship. Some of you won't until you make a move. Can I just encourage you, you even think about just the tithe and offerings. I talked about this a couple weeks ago, but just it's a great example. As you think about tithes and offering in Malachi chapter 3, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. This is what it says, uh, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven. Here's, Here's the point. Bring the tithe, and God says, I'll take care of you. But it's me. I have to bring the tithe. I have to offer something. I have to offer my worship through the tithe. So then biblically, how can I do this what what are some physical ways then that I can offer my worship let's just finish up on this there's notes in the back of your seats if you grab those real quick fill in these notes we're going to fly through these because most of you already know this how can I how can I offer my worship to God on an outward physical way here it is how can I express my love to God in corporate worship we sing most of us don't think of ourselves as singers, do we? But we should think of ourselves as worshipers. Hundreds of times the Bible commands us to worship with singing. Over and over and over again. Can I, can I just say that again? Guys, let's not miss this. And, and, and uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not just preaching it to, to, to guys today, but I, I'm, I'm picking on you guys. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm picking on you. Because I know for most ladies, it's a lot easier, I, I know this might be a shock to many of you, but it's a lot easier for, for ladies typically to share their emotions. It's a lot easier to let what's going on on the inside come out and just, and you get together with a friend or you even are in a worship service it's, a, it's it, typically. And for guys, it's a, it's a bigger hurdle. But there's nothing feminine about being obedient to scripture, fellas, there's nothing feminine. Like if, if there was another command of scripture and it said, do not commit adultery, would you, would you want me just to gloss over that over and over and, over and over and over and over again? Or would it not be right for me to say, fellas, listen, don't commit adultery. If there are many, 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 many scriptures, particularly in the Psalms, that tell us that we need to command us to sing, I'm not really a singer, Scott. I didn't ask that. Are you a worshiper? Yes, you are. Well, then the Bible's command is to sing. He says, sing. Psalm 95, verse 1 through 2. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving. Stole him with music and song. Do you realize God gave you and me a vocal cords? That It doesn't matter where we're at. We can always use those for the Lord. You're like, well, Scott, you don't want to hear my vocal cords. Yeah. Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not in the microphone. But I'm telling you, every time you sing, your mom and the Lord love it, they are blessed. They think you, uh, you have, they love hearing you worship. Always you're equipped to worship the Lord. And this is why in Ephesians and then in Colossians, let's read this again. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Can you just think about this word, admonish, encourage, push, um, Do you know what it's like? I think Nancy, I'm gonna pick on you for a second. Because I remember talking to the worship team one time and you said this. You said what all of us were thinking. And we we, we had a thing we used to talk about, eyes and vocalize, eyes and vocalize. Eyes, if you're on the team, um, uh, connect with people's eyes as you're leading them in worship and then vocalize your worship, vocalize your worship. And Nancy spoke up right away and I'm so glad she did because she said what everyone. But Scott, sometimes when I'm, if I'm looking people in the eye as I'm leading them in, in worship, Sometimes I can't help but to start to cry because I see the Lord moving on them. And I know what they're walking through. And, and it's hard for me to look someone in the eyes and, and lead them in worship without being drawn into that same, I feel for them. And I'm like, man, I'm so glad that that's how you feel. Because I want that instead of a stone-hearted worship person up here just like... I don't care what's going on in your life. We're going to worship God. Come on, you know. And, and I and, and I, I get that. I understand that. But can I can I just encourage you that that? Do you know what it does to the hearts of other believers when they know your story? Those that are in your small group know the pain, the hurt that you just walked through. Understand your hurt. Understand your background. Understand some of your childhood. But yet they see you on a Sunday morning worshiping with reckless abandon. Do you know what that does for them? How that admonishes them, encourages them. Do you know what that does for others? Do you see that? You see when it says admonish others, encourage. When we always as you sing Psalms, I just I couldn't help but to think that part of this admonishing thing could be just as we gather together. As as others see you worshiping, how that could be such an encouragement to them, like. Man, if they can worship, their life's a lot worse than mine. Lord, forgive me. God, I repent. God, I just worship you and I praise you and I thank you. Singing songs of praise to the Lord. I gotta keep moving here. Um, Let's just jump to the next one. We lift up our hands. We lift up our hands. We lift our hands. Nehemiah 8, 6 Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, amen, amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Psalm 63, verse 4. Look at it. I'll praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. If you're a Christian, you're a winner. I'm glad to be on the winning team. And you know, this wasn't a learned behavior. I think this is a natural thing, that even as kids, you're, you're, you, they look to their dad, their mom, and they're just like, "Hey, hold me, Hey, I want this." Or, you know you, you lift your hands up. I, I think about when I was 11, 12 years old, and this some of you will remember, because you were alive, and you remember this game, but it was Indiana University and Syracuse. 1987, it was the championship game. Um, and uh, I'll never forget it. Now my dad, um, he was six, three, and so I think, four inches taller than me. You think he would have been a natural basketball player and? Have, but because some things happened, he, never, he never enjoyed sports, or ne- never really got into sports, I should say. And, and I understand why knowing the whole story now. But anyhow, um, so, so all that to say that the only reason I ever got into sports was because my friends were into sports. And I'm glad they did. I enjoy. I enjoy watching. Okay, so, so I'm literally the only one in my living room watching this game. I remember, <laughs> and and I remember Steve Alford's on the team, right? He's the champion. He's like Mr. Indiana Basketball. He's gonna take the shot. Woo hoo! One time I ran into him at Cheddar's in Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> Springfield, Missouri. He was the coach at the college SMU SMSU. I don't even know what it was, but he was a basketball coach in town, and I went to college there at CBC. But any long story. I saw him at Cheddar's, that's all I'm saying. Okay. And and so Steve Alford, you know he's gonna take the shot. They're dribbling down. There's six seconds left, whatever. And, and I, I think it was like 73, 72 or something like that. IU's down. Oh no, it's not Keith. Or excuse me, it's not it's not Steve, it's Keith Smart. Keith Smart's over here. They get it to him in the corner. Do you know how many times I've shot this shot in my driveway? I mean, a, every good little IU fan and he jumps, takes the shot, five, four, and it goes, whoosh, it goes in. And can I tell you, for the first time, my little 11 year old chubby self touched the ceiling in my living room. <laughs> Honest truth, I had never even really thought about touching the ceiling. Now, we didn't have a large ceiling. This is, we're talking eight foot here. But, <laughs> but listen, I was so excited. I, and, and all of a sudden, my attention turned from the fact that Keith Smart just won the game-winning shot to the fact, I just touched the ceiling, yeah, you know. I could can, I can dunk on an eight-foot rim, I think. I was so excited. You know, I already told you, my dad wasn't really into sports. My friends were, but my friends didn't sit me down and say, okay, now, Scott, listen, when something exciting happens, this is what you do. Yeah! And there were guys, I know, that that night watching that, or 49er fans last night that were watching that game maybe touched the ceiling for the first time. I mean, they're just, woohoo! And then they're going to go to church this morning and think, "I'm I'm not raising my hands for worship. Come on. Fellas, we can do this. Ladies, we can do this. And it's not just out of a fandom. It's not, if there's anything worth the exuberant worship of God is worth it. We lift up our hands. We raise our hands because it's biblical. I'm going to say it again and, and just get it under some of our skin. Reserved worship is a learned cultural behavior. We were taught because the church we grew up in or the family grew up When you come to church, you're just you're reverent. You're just, you're just, and I understand. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not negating that. I'm not saying that, I'm not trying to slap any pastor that ever taught that or whatever. I'm just saying, I just want to encourage you. Um, let's go by not denominational heritage, but let's go by the word of God. We clap our hands. Fill that in. Clap our hands. We shout with joy. Psalm 47.1, clap your hands, all you nations. Shout out to God with cries of joy. Clapping is like a physical <laughs> affirmation. You're like, man, I'm with you. Amen. And, and I, I just want to say this. As we clap to a song, can I encourage you? Uh, let's, I know, uh, let's not just do it as you would to just any song. If you're out and about and some of you are hanging out in the discos or wherever it is you go. <laughs> discos. <laughs> Whew, I better not I better not laugh. I'm getting all choked up here and getting on the tail end of a coal. Here's the disco clapping along. We're clapping to Jesus. Can I just encourage you? Can I encourage you as we clap along to a song? We're not just clapping along. God, I'm I'm saying I affirm this. I affirm what we're singing here. This is awesome. As we get to the end of the song, we're not just clapping because it's over. <laughs> We're not just clapping because, hey, they did a good job. That little guitarist guy over there, he did, no, 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 he did a good job. Or, or that drummer had a little beat there, or that keyboard, or that vocalist. No, we're not just saying, good job, good job, good job. Can I just remind you, as we clap, let's make sure we're lifting that clap to the Lord. Because he's the one that's worthy. We're affirming. I don't have a problem with clapping at the end of a song or clapping along with a song. But let's make sure. Why are we clapping? We're clapping as part of our worship unto the Lord. Let's do it as worship unto the Lord. Let's clap our hands. And, and here, oh, come on. I lost some of you Anabaptists. I lost some of you Mennonites already, but I'm bringing you in with this one. Ready? Ready? Here we go. We're still and silent. Do you know we are still and silent? This is in the Bible, too. This, this is it, look at Psalm 46. Be still, know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted, Habakkuk 2.20. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. I think there is a place just to stand in awe and reverence to God. When we come together corporately, there's a time just to be still before him. How about this one? We kneel, we kneel. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let's kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we're the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. How about this? We have bowed heads. We have raised heads. Micah 6.6, 6, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings with calves a year old? Psalm 3.3, but you are a shield about me, around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and you lift up my heads. There's a wave offering. You know, in Leviticus chapter 9, it talks about how um, Joshua uh, no, excuse me, Aaron took and he waved uh, the parts of the, the sacrifice the Lord is offering. Megan's grandmother, Lois Clifton, a dear saint, she's with Jesus. But she used to tell Megan about times when, when um, growing up in a church like ours, way back in the 50s or 40s, 50s, whatever it was, where the pastor often would say, come on, let's just give the Lord a wave offering. And, and the whole church would just do one of these. And, you know, people thought that... They started that in the Olympics when we did one of these. But no, it was, they stole that from God. A wave offering was, was meant. Just, and so sometimes you might say, but why is that one guy or that one lady or whatever? She's always just all over the place. She's giving the Lord a wave offering. And, and, and it's biblical. These, these, these are things that God says, do this. Do this. We wave our hands. All right, let's toss in another one. Some of you are going to get jiggy with it, Ready? We dance with joy. We dance with joy. Psalm 30, verse 11, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You've loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Psalm 149, 3, let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. Psalm 150, verse 4, praise him with tambourine and dancing. Listen to me. I know for some of you, the idea of dancing in church as a form of celebration before the Lord even, is just like way past your personality. I understand that. But I would, I would, I would, con- I would encourage you, is that don't ever say never. In fact, I would encourage you to do this on any of these. Let me just sum this up. You're like Scott. I, I, I'm just gonna be honest with you. It, it, it's hard for me to come to a point in a, given your, your upbringing, given just your personality, whatever. It's hard for me to be expressive in my worship. Can I just encourage you? to Get alone with God. Put the headphones in. Go in the basement. Say to everyone you're not allowed in the basement right now. It's just me and Jesus. Or don't even, just, just get alone with God, lock the door. Just between, just you and the Lord. And I just wanna encourage you, just turn some worship music on and just begin singing. You're not a singer, just start singing. Lift your hands. Turn on something with a beat and just start dancing before the Lord. You're like, Scott, this is a little out there. Listen, no, this, is, this, is, this is, isn't out there, it's right here. Can I just encourage you? Don't, don't ever say, well, there's a form of worship that I'll never do in my personal life or whatever. Um, be open. Let God expand you through that. Um, now, th- these are just a few ways that we see biblical worship in a corporate setting. Let me just toss this across the bow before we finish. In a corporate setting, freedom to worship passionately doesn't justify being disorderly. Ooh. Now, this, uh, Now I'm going to offend a whole new group of people now. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 40 says this, but all things should be done decently and in order. And so as we come together corporately, there may be some things that, that I'll do in the prayer room by myself, me and the Lord just but you know if 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 my freedom gets in the way of others to worship, which let me say something here. The Bible College president that I grew up with, I never understood why he said this till I became a pastor. But he said when you come to a worship, corporate worship service, you're either going to be a worshiper or you're going to criticize those that do. And I'm telling you, it's true. You're either going to worship or you're going to look around and say, well, what's going on with that dude? Why is that guy doing that? What's that lady's issue? She's pretty fired up. You're going to criticize. A, can I just encourage you, be a worshiper. Be a worshiper. But there's got to be some order in a corporate setting. And, and, and so what does that look like? As we come together, what does that look like? Who decides? And that's where some people have a hard time, but our church is a staff-led church. And that means we're not necessarily going to vote on, these are the things that we allow in worship on a Sunday morning. And uh, so, so let me just toss out a for instance. For instance, there's some churches, they love banners they love glory hoops. They love, I mean, they, just, they, they love flags. And the last time I was in a service with flags, Matt got injured. I'm just telling you. It was a revive Indiana. Well, he didn't get injured, but he did get hit by a flag. Now, listen, I have friends that I love, and they're going to heaven. They love Jesus just as much as me. What we've decided in the context of our sanctuary, our space, our room, we just feel like banners, flags, those type of things. Those are fine, but in context of this church, we just feel like that's more of a distraction than it is to uh, than it is a help. It's more of a hindrance in this setting than a help. Now, oh, you're limiting my money. and and it's the same thing. If if um, I I better not go any further. But just know how do, how do you know? Here's here's what, how do you know when when something is um, is a distraction? Um, okay, what's the difference between passionate and distracting? Someone say, someone say that. What's the difference between someone who's just being passionate for the Lord or distracting? And, and I can't always define it, but I know it when I see it. And, and so just trust that if, the, if, if there's someone who maybe needs just a, a, a loving, hey, brother, sister, can I just encourage you? I, I love your celebration. In fact, if you want to dance before the Lord, if you want to worship, I love that but I just, I just want to encourage you, just make sure that you're drawing attention to the Lord and not yourself. Because if someone's drawing attention to themselves, okay, I got to share a story. We're in the garage. Somebody's like, the garage? Yeah, we worship, started our church in a garage, right up here on US 20. And there was a lady who, sound system, full blast, you could still, and she wasn't singing the words. She was just taking off on operatic, I, I mean, in keys that I didn't even know existed. I mean, just like, and I'm not making fun of her, but I'm, I'm just telling you, I this lady was just she was just out there, and it happened for about two Sundays. I'm up front leading worship at that time, and we're in the and I'm and it's a smaller situation. She didn't blend in, and so what are we gonna do? And so that's where you ask your wife to take care of things. And so. You'll hear me say this for the rest of my life. Megan was our first staff member, whether she was paid or not. I mean, she's been a part of our staff since day one, whether she's had an official position or not. But Megan lovingly, rightfully, just I asked Megan to do this, went over. And I don't remember exactly if she said, Pastor Scott or Scott asked me to say this to her or what, but she just lovingly just said, hey, listen, this is what. And the lady's heart, she did it very, Megan did it very, very lovingly. And the lady's heart came to the service as she stomped out and never came back to our church. And, and, and I think that shows very clearly, she wasn't there to glorify God. She was there to glorify herself and bring attention to herself. And so, so, um, so I, I say that, say um, that w- when we're in a corporate setting, um, there's gotta be somehow, there's gotta be some way of, of saying, okay, this is decent, this is in order. And this pastor will never call a perfect, perfect game. And uh, we may get to heaven someday and, and um, uh, David um, from the Old Testament is going to come up to me and he's going to hit me over the head with a banner and just say, I can't believe you didn't have banners in your church. I can't believe you didn't have glory hoops and, and all those things happening in your church. I can't believe that. And, and, um, and I, I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I understand that. Um, but as we gather corporately, bottom line is this, worship team, would you come? I'm not really worried about an overabundance of emotion or passion in our worship. I'm concerned about a lack of passion. And I love you too much as your leader, as your shepherd. Because I'm telling you, if we can push through a little further in the intensity of our worship when we come together corporately and we begin to sing songs, I, I believe that we're missing something. Because our attitude of when we sing songs is more, I'm singing songs, this is my worship to the Lord. When the Bible is, is prescribing and the Bible is telling us, we gotta take it past just singing is one part, but there's lifting our hands, there's shouting, there's um, clapping, there's many different ways. And my concern, brothers and sisters, is that the Lord wants to do something more in our corporate worship time together as our whole service, but especially that singing time. Will you give them a chance to move? Will you give them a chance to move in your heart? Will you receive the word of the Lord today? And will you respond? And I I know that some of you are thinking, Scott, I wanna worship like that. Everything you just said, I wanna worship like that. But I feel like a hypocrite every time I walk in church and I, I start to worship. First off, I wanna tell you, okay, I understand. Just know that's not from God, that's from the devil. And as you walk in here, I'm gonna make sure I say this right. Some some think if I can sin less, it'll make me feel like worshiping more. But I would rather say, if you worship more, it'll make you feel like sinning less. When When you come in here on a Sunday morning, just let the condemnation go. Let conviction set in and if you need to spend some time in, in, in conviction and repentance before the Lord and say, God, before I, I, I can't lift a hand just yet, because in, in fact, I'm going to lift my hands, but I'm lifting surrender because I know I've sinned this week. I know I've done some stuff. I said this. I did this. Get it. Get it right. What a great time to come on a Sunday morning and let the Holy Spirit soften your heart and say, God, I repent.